Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. I don't know if you've ever given much thought to Christmas, but often when I think about Christmas, the, the, the most uh, impressive thought I have, or the biggest question I have, is, is, is kind of two-part. Number one is like, what's the big deal about Christmas, right? Like, why does it matter so much? I was looking at this graph on on TikTok this week of all the different nations or all the different parts of the world that celebrate Christmas. And Christmas is the most celebrated holiday apart from New Year. Everybody celebrates New Year. But apart from that, Christmas is the most celebrated holiday. And it got me thinking, like, why, you know? And, And then the other part of that question, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but how is it that something can happen 2,000 years ago can continue to impact us today and year after year after year? Think about that. Something that happened 2,000 years ago is still has a profound on impact in us today. So what I want to do in this series is answer those two questions or kind of look at those two questions. And this is going to be a, a more profound series. We're going to look at some theological um, aspects. We're going to look at some very profound teachings of the Bible as we aim to answer those two questions. Number one, What's the big deal about Christmas? What, why, 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 what's the big importance? And number two, why is it that something that happened 2,000 years ago can continue to impact us today? And I'm going to give you the answer, and then we're going to develop it. Is that all right? Amen. The answer is really simple. The answer to those two questions is Jesus. Amen. I mean, you've heard the cheesy saying, right? Jesus is the reason for the... And I know you maybe don't say that, but that is so true. And we're going to look in depth at that reality because Jesus truly is the season, the reason for the season. And we've titled this series, He, because we're going to focus on Jesus. And we're going to look at why Christmas is a big deal and why 2,000 years ago when he was born continues to impact us today. Now, Here's what I want, what I'm hoping this series does, okay? Number one, it's gonna be like a Lego set. We're gonna build on each week. Each week is gonna be important. For example, today, we're gonna look at one of the five weeks and we're gonna look at a very important aspect, which is the foundation to answering the question, what is the big deal with Christmas? So we're gonna build on each week. And I tell you that because I hope you don't miss any week so that you're able to have a deep, profound understanding of the meaning of Christmas. But second, my second hope with the series is, is that that we will really grasp the true meaning of Christmas. Nothing wrong with lights, nothing wrong with gifts. I do that myself. Nothing wrong with family time. I love that. In fact, today after church, my family and I were getting together and we're taking our Christmas pictures. There's nothing wrong with all those things. But listen to me. If Christmas becomes only about those things, your Christmas is very shallow. Your Christmas is on a weak foundation. Because the minute you can't buy gifts, the minute the lights break, the minute your family stops talking to you, starts, stops talking to you, you may feel like Christmas is over. 
So not only do we do I hope we gain a deeper understanding, but that we gain a deeper appreciation for the true meaning of Christmas. Are you with me? Yes. Amen. Well, let's pray and then we'll start uh, the first by answering the, the question, what's the big deal about Christmas? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you because it is a gift from you to us. And I am so proud. I am so glad that we have used it to begin our week with you, to begin our week in your house, Lord, to give you the first of the first, the first hours of the first day of the week. Lord, as we begin the Christmas season officially as a home church, we pray that you would do something wonderful in us, that you would work in us, but that you would also work through us. Father, if anybody's in turmoil, if anybody's struggling, if anybody's going through a difficult time, I pray that you would minister to them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Two quick things that I forgot to mention at the beginning. This Tuesday, we have our mental health support group with Melissa, a licensed therapist. We hope you come join us. It's at seven, it's free. And here's some better news. Somebody in church loves you so much that they are going to be providing free childcare for you. So if your kids were a reason why you weren't able to come, now it's not, okay? So I think God is trying to get after you. So come, it's gonna be a wonderful time. Second, in your bulletin, we put two flyers. Uh, just wanna remind you, we are believing that more people are gonna come to Christ. We're gonna believe that this 17th of December, we're gonna have a full house, not just in here, but also in the chapel. And uh, we're gonna have a musical. We're gonna have a toy drive that day. So I hope you're inviting people. Put those where you go eat tonight, put them in the gas station, put them in your laundromat, wherever it is you go. Go do that. Amen? You with me? All right. So what's the big deal about Christmas? What's so important about Christmas? Here's the first part of that answer. The first reason Christmas is so special is because on that first Christmas, God came to earth. The reason Christmas is unlike any other holiday, the reason Christmas, an event that happened 2,000 years ago, continues to impact us today is because on that first Christmas, God came to earth. I don't know if you know Edmund Hillary, and here's a picture of Edmund Hillary, but Edmund Hillary was one of the first two people to, mount, to climb Mount Everest. And that was special. He's among the giants. He was the first to do it. Robert Peary was the first person to reach the North Pole, and that was memorable. Here's also a picture of him. Amen. Neil Armstrong was the first person to what? Walk on the moon, right? And all these three men, when they reach their destination, when their foot touched Mount Everest, the North Pole, or the moon was special. But let me tell you that even combining those three with all the other special things that happened, they cannot compare to the first time that God said foot on earth. And that is the first reason why Christmas is so special. Because on that first Christmas, God, listen to this, God came to earth and he came to earth in the person of Jesus. Look at, look at what Philippians 2, 5, and 7 says right there in your outline. It says, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in what? Human likeness. Process on that first Christmas, God, the eternal God, the all-powerful God came to earth. Look at what John 1 and 2 and verse 14 also tell us. He says, in the beginning, the word already existed. And just, we're going to look at this uh, in the coming weeks, but the word is another title. It's another uh, name for Jesus, right? In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was what? God right? He existed in the beginning with God. And then we jump all the way to verse 14. And he says, so the word became what? Human and made his home. What? Among us. That's why Christmas is so special. Because on Christmas, we remember, we celebrate, we appreciate that God came to earth and God came to earth in the person of Jesus. Now, what I want to do today is I want to look on the aspect of Jesus as God. Because many people think Jesus was a prophet or he was a good person or he was a really religious leader. No, 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 no. The first thing that is going to deepen our appreciation for Jesus, the first thing that is going to help us understand why Christmas is so important is for us to understand that God came to earth and he came in the person of Jesus and Jesus is God. And that's very important because this is the building truth that we build on everything else. The Bible teaches that Jesus was not merely someone that looked like God or that, that, that resembled God or that hung out with God or that was a lot like God. No, the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus was God himself. We just read two verses that the word was God. In fact, if you were to go and, and make an in-depth, or, or not even an in-depth, if you were just to read through the Bible, you would find that the Bible teaches that Jesus is God by showing that Jesus has all the same attributes that the Father has. Jesus knows everything. Jesus is everywhere. Jesus has all power. Jesus depends on nothing outside of himself for life. In other words, nothing sustains him. Jesus rules over everything. Jesus is our creator. Jesus never had a beginning and he'll never have an end. There was never a time he wasn't and there will never be a time he isn't. Everything that is true of the father is true of Jesus because Jesus is God. Look at, look at what Colossians 1, 15 and 16 tell us. <coughs> Jesus Christ is the exact what? Likeness of the unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made what? Everything. Everything. Because Jesus is God. John 1.18 tells us the following. No one has ever seen God but the one and only son who is himself, what? God. That's why Jesus said stuff like, if you've seen me, you've seen what? The father. 
And then Colossians 2.9 says it clearly. It says, for Christ is not only God-like, he is God. Now, here's the important thing. Jesus did not have his beginning on the stable. Jesus did not begin to exist on that first Christmas. No, on Christmas, Jesus, who is God, came to earth as a human baby. But Jesus, as God, as the almighty, as the all-knowing, as the omniscient God, has always existed. It did not begin on that first Christmas. Christmas was not his beginning because the Bible tells us that he existed before creation. And in fact, that everything that is created was created because of him. This is important for us to understand. Because I think sometimes when we think of the Trinity, we think of them being God, but then we think, well, maybe Jesus is not as much God as the Father is, and maybe the Holy Spirit is not as much God as Jesus or the Father is. And the Bible clearly tells us that everything that is true of the Father is true of Jesus. Because Jesus is God. In theology, This concept or this truth of God becoming a human being or God coming to earth is called the incarnation. Now, if you do an index study of the word incarnation, you won't find it in the Bible. The the word incarnation does not exist in the Bible, but the teaching, the event that God took on the form of a human being does exist, and that is what we celebrate on on that first Christmas, that God came to earth. That the Almighty, the one who's always lived, the one who created everything, the one who knows everything, came to earth. Now, this concept of incarnation or this theological doctrinal truth of incarnation is like a coin with two sides. On one side, we have this truth that Jesus is God. And that's what I want to focus on today. But on the other side, we have this other truth that Jesus became fully human, not human-like or with human aspects, but fully human. And next week, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the second building block of what makes Christmas special, and that is that God not only came to earth, but God came, became a human, and the benefits of us for that. But today, I wanted us to focus and understand that Jesus is fully God. Think about that for a minute. I don't know who your favorite president is, but he, he'll never come to your house. I don't know who your favorite athlete is, but he'll never come to your house. And I can say that very confidently. I don't know who your favorite artist is. I don't know who you look up with, who famous, right? The most famous person I know is Manolo, and he comes to my house all the time, so I don't have to worry <laughs> about anything. But, you know, these big people, they'll never come to your house. They'll never know where you live. They, they, they might not even know you exist. But God, God came looking for you, and he came looking for me. God came with you and with me in mind. And Paul tells us that although he was God, he did not use that as an excuse to say, no, I'm too good to go down there. I mean, 
I was trying to think about this, and I don't know, forgive me if it's sacrilegious, Manolo, Tony, uh, um, Steve, forgive me if this is sacrilegious, but I was trying to think, like, you know, how could I illustrate that? But um, think about a cowboy fan. Praise God. Think about James. There you go, James. Come up here, James. Come up here. You stood up. Come up here, James. James, come up here. Come up here. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you. If you know James, you know James is a what? Cowboy fan. Spanky. He's a cowboy fan. We're still praying for him. The Lord's still working in him. But he's a cowboy fan. Now, imagine James... Being willing to put on a 49ers jersey. Look at his face. Or worse yet. I I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I I didn't say it. You you get where I'm going? Like he he's got too much love for his team to put on some other team. But Jesus was willing to put on, quote unquote, a jersey to come find you and come find me. Now, that's James. Now, who would you say, James, is the biggest cowboy player, the best cowboy player in history? Yeah. Who? Okay. You think he would ever put a 49ers jersey on? Negative. But Jesus did. And he (laughs) did it for you. And he did it for me. Thank you, James. You're a good sport. Funny thing, I thought about calling him and asking him to like deck out and see if I could use him, and he stood up, so I just saw it as a sign. Thank you. Thank you. So God came to earth, right? Now, what are, what's the benefit of that? Why? In week four, in week four, we're gonna look at the big main purpose of why he came. You don't want to miss that. When we celebrate our candlelight service, our I mean our musical uh, celebration. We're going to answer that question. What was the main reason he came? But what I want to do today is I want to look at this truth that God came to earth. And I want to give you three benefits, three things that are to our advantage because God came to earth. Number one, you can fill this out in your outline. God came to earth, number one, to keep his promises. God came to earth, number one, to keep his promises. I don't know if you know this or not, But God coming to earth in the person of Jesus was not an accident and was not random. It was planned from the beginning. It was part of God's eternal plan. God gave his word that one day he would come to earth and he came to keep his promise. The first, the first promise or the first prophecy that we see that God gave of Jesus one day coming is found in Genesis 3.14. As God is cursing the serpent over the sin, he says, you will strike him in his heel and he will crush her head. And that was the first, we can, we can assume, we can say that that was the first prophecy, that that was the first time God foretold that the day would come when Jesus would come. And all the way from Genesis 3 to all the way to John the Baptist saying, I am preparing the way for the Christ. I am preparing the way for the one who is coming. God came to earth to fulfill his word. I don't know if you knew this, but there are over, there are over, 300 predictions 
There are over 300 prophecies that Jesus would come to earth. And on that first Christmas, Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. Every single one of them, he fulfilled them. And perhaps my favorite one is found in Isaiah 9, 6. And look at what he says. The prophet Isaiah prophesying, he says, for to us, a child will be born. To us, a son, the son of God will be given. And the rule of the nations will be on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Teacher, Powerful God, Father who lives forever and what? Prince of Peace. So God came to earth. And one of the benefits of that is that he came to keep his word. When God speaks, he fulfills his word. Now, that's wonderful news, but that's also some concerning news. I'll give you the wonderful news first. The application of that means that whatever God has said about you and me, he will fulfill it. That if he has said that he is our protector, he will defend us. That if he has said that if we trust him, he will provide for us, he will do it. That if he has said that if we serve him, our family will be blessed, he will do it. Every promise that God has spoken over your life, he will do it. You don't have to doubt him. Well, maybe he forgot. Maybe he changed his mind. When God speaks, he fulfills his word. Look at what Numbers 23 19 says. It says, has God ever spoken and failed to act? Has God ever promised and not carried it through? No. So the promises of God can be taken to the bank. Those things that God has spoken over your life, those dreams that God has planted in your heart, those things that he has prophesied to you, he will fulfill them. Our struggle with that is that we want them now. We want want to tell God when to fulfill them. And our timing is not his timing. But here's the first thing you got to know. He will fulfill every promise he has made. Now, that's the good news, right? Now, here's the concerning news about that he predicted his first coming but he also has told us about what his second coming and if he kept his word to come the first time he will keep his word to come a second time so here's my question for you are you ready for his second coming because if God keeps his word then that means that we ought to stop playing church and stop playing Jesus Because if he has kept his word to come the first time, he will keep his word to come the second time. And here's the thing about the second time. We don't know the hour or the time, and it could happen at any minute. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you the reality. And see, some some of you, especially those of you that are Christian, some of you, you, you're too comfortable playing church. You're too comfortable being, say very respectfully, lukewarm. And do you recall what the book of Revelation says about being lukewarm? So if he kept his word the first time, he will keep his word the second time. And we have no time to waste. We got to stay ready. We got to stay focused on what Jesus, on what Jesus said. So he came to keep his word. The second thing that the second reason why God came to earth is to reveal his humility is to reveal his humility. 
Jesus is no power-hungry ruler. Jesus is no dictator. And while coming to earth, and we're going to look at that, and while coming to earth displays his power, his majesty, his authority, and his might, Jesus came to earth to show us his nature, his attitude, which is that of humility. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus coming to earth, although it was predicted, it was no obligation. He didn't have to come. He wasn't forced to come. Jesus said, nobody takes my life, I lay it down. It was his choice. And do you know why he did it? Because of his humbleness, because of his humility. And Jesus came not just to reveal his power and his might, but so that we may know him and know his nature, that he's no power-hungry ruler, but that he's a humble God. We already read this verse, but look at it with me once again, Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, look at this. He gave up his divine what? Privileges. Now, let me make a distinction there. Pause. I need you to look at me. Jesus gave up his divine privileges, not his divine nature. There's a big difference in that. Jesus never stopped being God. He gave up some of those privileges, but he never gave up his divine nature. It's important for us to know that because some of you say, oh, there's some things Jesus can do that God can. There's some things that Jesus doesn't know that God knows. No, everything the Father knows, Jesus knows. Everything the Father can do, Jesus can do. He gave up his divine privileges, not his divine nature. Okay? He gave up his divine privileges, and look at this. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, look at this. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. And if that wasn't enough to reveal to us his humble nature, look at what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Speaking of himself, he said, learn from me for I am what? Gentle and humble. Now, what's the application on this point? Well, here's the thing. A lot of people run from God. A lot of people dodge God. A lot of people don't want nothing to do with God because they think he will always ask more of you than the benefit that will come to your life. Oh, I'm not ready. I'm too young to believe in God. I got stuff to do. And the reason they think that is because they think the cost of following Jesus is higher than the benefit of having Jesus in your life. And if you think that way, let me tell you that you think that way because you don't know his humble nature. He is not power hungry. In fact, look at what Jesus said in Mark 10, 45. Look at what he says. He says, for even the son of man came not to what? Be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a what? As a ransom for many. 
Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I didn't come so that you could take care of me. I didn't come so that you could give me something of benefit. No, no, no. I came for you. I came to serve you. I came to bring you goodness. I came to do something for you. So you know what that means? Listen to me. Here's what that means. You will never give more than you receive when you accept Jesus. It will never cost you more than what God will pour in your life when you follow Jesus. Because he takes care of you. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve us, to take care of us, to heal us, to protect us, to guide us, to lead us, to defend us, to show us the truth. And he did it in a humble way. And to do that, you got to be willing to humble yourself. So to follow Jesus it's not to follow an angry God, but to follow a loving, a loving person who cares for you. Amen. He came to reveal his humble nature. You know what's one of my favorite titles of the seven I am's in the gospel of John? In the gospel of John, Jesus says seven I am's. One of my favorite ones is that he says, I am the good shepherd. Amen. I am the good shepherd. And he says, a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. You know, I was thinking about that. And I know I'm going to sound a little mean, but hopefully you still love me. I got a 14-year-old bulldog. Bulldogs are not supposed to live. They live on average 9 to 10 years, and she's 14. In fact, a couple of weeks back, um, she was kind of limping. And part of the limping is that bulldogs develop arthritis all over their bones, and it's part of their decaying. It's part of them getting old. And I know I'm throwing my family under the bus here, but um, I won't tell you who. I'll just put them all together. <laughs> they keep telling me, you got to put her down. You got to put her down. And I'm not that kind of human. I, I just can't. I just, at this point, at this point, at this point, she's a big burden. She can't play. She can't walk. She could barely eat. But I just can't put her down, you know? But here's something I haven't said out loud that I'm going to confess out loud today. Is that all right? <clears throat> I won't put her down. But I'm also not willing to pay $2,000 to keep her alive. You get where I'm going? I, and I don't mean that as a knockback to some of you. I know some of you love your pets and you've spent more than that. God bless you. Um, hope they live long. I really do. But I won't. I won't do it. I'd rather spend that on my kids. And, and I was thinking this week, and I was thinking like, and I'm not like a bad dog owner, but I'm not a good shepherd like Jesus is. Because here's the thing. Jesus would pay the $2,000 and more to serve you, to keep you, because he laid down his life for you. You see, that's the application that Jesus came to reveal his humble nature, is that he came to care for you and for me. So listen, Young people, if you're running because you think God is boring, let me tell you the true life is found in him. And if you as an adult, you're running, you're trying to find your fulfillment in 
sin or in a substance, stop running. Because what you're looking for is found in the one, in the one who came not to be served, but to serve you. Amen. Number three, number three, the third reason Jesus came to earth, here's a big one, is to express his love for us. He came to express his love for us. Did you know that what you do matters? Did you know that? Did you know that what you do matters? But did you know that why you do it also matters, or I would dare to say matters just as much? Because if you do something, but you don't do it for the right reasons, you don't do it with the right attitude, ladies, it doesn't, doesn't work, right? I mean, ladies, you want your husband to want to pick up his towel, right? You don't want him to pick it up because you nag him. You want him to want to, right? The motives, I mean, not just what you do matters, but why you do it matters, right? Guys. When our wives cook, and they cook not because they have to, but because they want to, doesn't food taste better? Aren't the tortillas a little bit tastier? Isn't the rice extra puffy, right? Because the right motives matter, right? So we got to ask the question. We know, or we're going to look at why Jesus came, but what was his motive, Okay, we looked at his attitude, but what was his motive? Well, his motive was his affection for you and for me. The reason Jesus came was not just so that you would know, but so that you would see how much he loves you. The motive for Jesus to come to earth on that first Christmas was love for you and for me. Look at John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his one and only son. It wasn't pity. It doesn't say God pitied the world. Le dio lastima. Oh, look at the flores. Pobrecitos. It was love. It was love. And you know the crazy thing about that? That when Jesus came to earth and God saw us with love, we were not at best, right? None of us were at our best when we came to Jesus. We were what? At our worst. But it was love. Look at what John, 1 John 4.10 says. This is real love. Young ladies, young ladies, here's a great biblical lesson. Here's real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and what? Sent his son. You want to know something? You'll never know true love until you experience the love of God first. In fact, you know why we bicker and bitter so much in our relationships? Because we don't know real love. You know what my number one advice to couples when they're struggling is? Get your love needs met by God and not your spouse first. Amen, that's right. Because when God is the one who meets your love need, it's a lot easier to love imperfect people. And the motive 
The reason Jesus came was because he loved you. And, and, and I'll put it out in the open. He loved you and he knew your rebellion and he knew your secret sin and he knew your past and he knows your future and he knows your foul language and he knows your secret behavior and he knows what goes up in your head. And you know what? He still loved you. He still loved you. In fact, because he loved you was why he came. And because he could see the flaws and sin and mistakes in us was why he came to not leave us in that same condition. So what's the application? What what benefit does it bring to my life to know that Jesus came to show his love? Well, number one, if you're a believer, here's what it means. Look at what 1 John 4.18 says. There is no what? Fear and love, but perfect love drives out fear. If you're a believer, you got to know you're loved fully, perfectly, and faithfully love. I don't know what scares you. I don't know what fears you have. Maybe you're afraid of losing your spouse. You're afraid of losing your career. Maybe you're afraid of getting some kind of illness, or maybe you're afraid of caving in. I don't know what your fears are. But here's the application. If God loved you enough to send his son, he loves you enough to keep you grounded and keep you stabled. And when you know the love of God, you're able to love yourself and you're able to live more freely because perfect love casts out all fear. What are your fears? That you're not good enough? Learn to see yourself the way God sees you. And fear will be expelled out and love will fill your heart. You know, um, I had a little medical scared a couple of weeks back. I can't tell you. I I know you hate this when I give you like general stuff and not give you details. But don't be a chismoso. Just kind of let me, let let me share enough, right? I had a little medical scare a couple of weeks back. And um, I... I I only told a handful of people, including my wife and Manolo, and I thought it was cancer. Really, I thought it was cancer. I mean, I know not to do this, but we still do this, right? Like when when you're not sure about something, you Google it, and the internet's always going to give you like the worst case scenario, right? Like, don't do it. Don't do it. You're just, you know, and here's the worst part. I couldn't make an appointment with my doctor for weeks. Like, I emailed them, and I was like, hey, I really need to see, I really need to see you. Like, I'm really concerned, da 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 And I couldn't hear nothing from them. I hounded them so much that they sent me to another doctor. They're like, well, your doctor doesn't have any open spots, so you could go to this other guy. I said, all right, let's go. And when my appointment was like, like four days after I had made it, I was thinking the worst. I was like, man, I'm going to die of cancer. I'm only 41. My kids are going to grow up without their dad. Like, what's going to happen of day spring and all this stuff, right? And then I had, a, I had a really sobering thought that I truly believe. I truly believe. He said two things. God loves me. God is going to heal me. I want him to heal me here. But even if he doesn't heal me here, and cancer is the reason why I die, I won't have cancer in heaven, so I'll be healed. 
And that changed my whole perspective. And when I started thinking like, man, if this is cancer, like, they're just going to find another nester. You know, all that weird stuff. (laughs) But then I was like, in heaven, I'm not going to feel anything. You know, so like, I'm going to be fine. You get where I'm going? Perfect love casts out all fear. When you know you're secure in the hands of God, you don't have to fear. So I don't know what fear, I don't know what negative things fill your heart and mind. But let this Christmas remind you that he loved you enough to come to express his love and let his love drive out all fear. Now, that's for those of you that are believers. For those of you that may be here this morning, you would, you would say, I'm not a religious person. I'm not a church person. I mean, I kind of know about Jesus, but like my life isn't committed to him. Let me tell you this. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him does not perish but have eternal life. God loves you, but your sin separates you. And while you are created by God, you are not part of God's family until you receive Jesus. Because Jesus is the only way to the Father. And if you're here this morning and you have not accepted Jesus, look at what John 1.12 says. It says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become what? Children of God. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.